Don't throw it out. Restore it. I'm Anita Joyce here with Kelly Wilkness, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks, episode 425, our interview with Amy Howard. Amy started out as an interior designer and then decided she was going to move to Italy to apprentice with some expert furniture uh, artisans and learn all these wonderful finishes there. And then when she came back to the U.S., she opened up her own business, the Amy Howard Collection, with her uh, wonderful husband, Gene. It was amazing furniture, and then people were wanting to copy these finishes for themselves uh, on their own furniture, and that's when Amy and Gene created their custom line of high-performance DIY products. Uh, She's also the author of a couple books, A Maker's Guide and Rescue, Restore, Redecorate, Amy's Howard's Guide to Refinishing Furniture and Accessories. And she has a full line of paints, waxes, finishes, stencils. I could go on and on, but they're, they're amazing products. Welcome to Decorating Tips and Tricks, Amy. Happy to be here. Uh, Well, we're so glad you're here, and I know a lot of our listeners uh, love working with vintage furniture, but as you know, a lot of times they don't have the best um, stain on them or so forth, so there's just a lot of beautiful pieces that are just begging for uh, a refinishing job for someone to do, And, and so I was thinking right now, People are stuck at home. This is still the time of the pandemic, uh, and things have not fully opened up. So I thought, what a great time for someone to work on a project at home. What would be a great project for someone to be working on right now? You know, Anita, these are um, these are questions that we have been asked over and over and over again the last actually months now. Um, and there are two areas that we have noticed that people want to redo, and it's their kitchen and their bathrooms. And I tell people a lot of times, while that can be one of the most um, satisfying areas to do, that it's always good to start with something smaller. So a lot of people are like, I am insistent. I want to do my kitchen. And my recommendation would be, uh, before you do that, always start with a door or a drawer. You can go to Habitat for Humanities Restore. And they sell those doors alone. And I tell people, go through the process um, of cleaning it and painting it and then um, putting a finishing wax on it or a sealer if you want to. So I think a lot of times the intrepidation that we have, especially if you've never redone a piece of furniture, is going to start with the size as well as a perceived value. If it's something that you bought at a garage sale for $5, there is not as much fear. If it was your grandmother's china cabinet, (laughs) then you have a tendency to be nervous. So start with something that doesn't have great family sentimental value and that is small enough in scale to be able to feel that you command it. Start with a practice piece. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Practice piece or a practice door or, you know, um, something like that. So that way you can um, get your skill level and feel confident as far as how to hold the brush, how much paint to apply, that type thing. I think that's such excellent advice. And and you're right. If you don't really 
have your technique down, you certainly don't want to be starting with a big project. So that makes complete sense to me, especially if you're more of a beginner, you really do want to test out that technique. And uh, what did you do you have a suggestion on which paint, what type of finish? The very first place you need to start is making sure that that piece is cleaned properly. Now, a lot of these pieces that we're rescuing and restoring have waxes on them. Um, especially if the piece was in existence in the 70s or 80s, I assure you it probably had liquid gold used on it. Um, And those uh, products create what we call surfactants. Those surfactants have a residue on them that makes it to where, if it's not cleaned properly, that it will make it to where the paint will not adhere um, or bond as, as good as you want it to be. So. We have developed a product that's called Clean Slate. It is a furniture refinisher's grade cleaner that removes wax. A lot of people don't realize paint thinner will not take wax off of a piece of furniture. You have to have this, and it will, it will take the wax off. It's great to clean your brushes from wax. It's also, um, I joke about it because I put my makeup on in the car, on the driver's, I mean, on the uh, uh, passenger side, and mm-hmm. I get makeup on there. And Jean uses this clean slate, and it will remove <laughs> lipstick, base makeup. Well, there you go. There's an yeah. extra use for it. <laughs> so you want to clean that piece very well first. Using vinegar and water, those are great, but those will not remove wax. Neither will paint thinner. So use the clean slate first. Um, if you're brand new to this, if this is going to be your very first piece, um, I think it would be great if you went to our Facebook group, Amy Howard at Home, before and after. Um, there are tons of folks on there that share their befores and afters, what they did. They share with how what they used, what color they used. That would bring you into our community. You'll be excited to see you can do this. Um, so one, I think the community aspect is important. but. We have color cards that are hand-painted because we have 100 colors in our one-step paint. Mm. The one-step paint is the beginner because it requires no stripping, no sanding, and no priming. You simply clean it. You want to be able to get a good synthetic brush. We have a brush called the wedge brush. You don't want to use a natural bristle brush like a chip brush because it'll cause you to have more lines. Our brand new formula of the one-step paint, I am so, so proud of. It's only available on our website right now soon, and it tr- is participating uh, True Value stores, um, and it will be going into Ace, uh, participating Ace Hardware stores within the next um, three or four weeks. They have the original formula, but this new formula is self-leveling. I added essential oils to it because I like to be able to have a good experience that's enjoyable. Um, it's water-based, so it's cleanable with just soap and water. You've and added essential oils, Amy, to the paint? I have. Wow. I have. Wow. I mean, you know. It <laughs> I've was been in- so impressed. <laughs> it, it was important to me that, that it had no VOCs, mm-hmm. um, that it, it could be safe to be able to be used on children's furniture and nurseries or anything because I'm a cancer survivor. Um Toxins, everything, it's, it's very important to me to be able to work as clean as possible and um, to uh, be able to go in and brush two thin coats on. Here's the other mistake a lot of people make. 
they try to, especially with the one-step paint, they're thinking it's one coat. It's one step. Mm. But it's better if you do two thin coats of paint. If you see some of that wood underneath, maybe you're painting something that's already painted. Maybe you're painting melamine cabinets. Um, Maybe you're painting glass or plastic or resin, whatever that is. Um, The one-step paint is great for that. You can go over it. So let's say you have a mirror that was your mother's and you're repurposing it in your house um, and it's gold leaf. If you clean it, you can use the one-step paint directly on top of gold leaf and it will bind and be beautiful. But it's best just to remember in using that synthetic brush to put on two thin coats and you're going to love it. So when they finish doing the two coats of paint, the one-step paint, mm-hmm. then should they do anything else to the piece? It's going to depend on um, the, the final look you want. Because depending on the style, maybe you've got a um, more of a Florentine or a Baroque mirror, or maybe you have something that's more mid-century modern. You're doing it in a bright color. Or maybe you have a nightstand with a cabriole leg, and, and it's you want it to look a little bit more provincial or country. So if you want it to look antiqued, then you're going to go into doing a wax application. I usually tell people you want, you can do a light wax, then a dark wax, and then you can add some dust of ages. That's going to give you more of an antique look. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important to use a light wax first. Um, you'll notice with our light wax, it has um, it's a combination of carnauba and beeswax. That beeswax gives it kind of an ambery color. It doesn't change it a whole lot, um, but it is a little warmer. So you want to apply that light antique wax first. The dust of ages and the other, and your waxes, uh, this is not uh, the look from a few years ago where people did the chalk paint and they over-distressed and it looked very fake. Right. That's not what no. uh, your paints do. I mean, it really does. This is, and that's why I love your, your products because it really is one of the most authentic looking. It really does give a piece an antique look. And for someone used to looking at antique furniture, I mean, this is, this really is good. And so check out the, uh, do you want to tell them about the dust, dust of ages? So after you do the light wax, that's always done before you do the dark wax. If you want it, and the, the light wax is done um, 100% over your piece. Don't overdo it. Um, and when you're applying light wax, I tell people that is when you use a chip brush or a wax brush. Mm-hmm. After the light wax has come to tack, usually after about 15 or 20 minutes, then you can apply the dark wax. The whole purpose for the dark wax is to be able to add some age, some definition, some color. So it's only going to be used about 15%. So you'll load it up and you can watch this on my YouTube videos um, over and over and over again as, as far as loading up that brush with the dark wax, offloading it onto some cardboard. You never want to go directly from the container of the wax onto your piece. Offload it. That way it will evenly distribute the wax onto your brush and then you don't have too much on it. So it's better to ease into this. So just start going around the edges, feather your way in. Um, because your, your dark wax, you always have to use a light wax first, and then um, it's only to accentuate. So then after the dark wax has about come to tack, and that's T-A-C-K, that tack allows you to be able to um, have it to where it will grip, that dust of ages will grip. And it's like, people are like, what is dust of ages? It's just what, it, it's what the name says. It's... <laughs> 
it's to simulate dust um, that would have transpired over hundreds of years. And so, you know, Anita, you know this story. When I share with people, when you go into a fine museum and you see um, portraits and in the portrait gallery where you've got frames, if you look down in the crevices, it's this grayish composition that looks like dust. And that's why we say it's called dust of the ages. So when you put that down in the crevices and then you buff it, um, it really can, before your eyes, change the patina, the look, the feel, the brilliance, the sheen, um, and it will embed down into your light wax and give it, it will transform it. So, um, but you don't have to use a light, the dark wax and the dust. If you want to just have a clean surface, the great thing about the one-step paint, you don't even have to seal it if you don't want to. It's, you right. can keep that dead flat matte finish. So they don't really have to go for an antique finish at all if they don't want Absolutely to. Absolutely not. You know, and here's another option. If they wanted, um, and I, I noticed on Facebook the other day, somebody used a really beautiful coral color um, in the one step. And they came back with the ceruzing wax. Ceruzing wax is a white wax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it lends itself, to be honest with you, it was uh, developed, the concept of it, of ceruzing furniture, Mm C-E-R-U-S-I-N-G, was in the 16th century. And um, it came from the fact that at that period of time, it was very vogue to be overweight and to be very, very white. So they were taking um, lime and um, the chemicals actually had mercury in it. And they would mm. put this mercury lather all over their face, their skin, oh. their degloté. Mm-hmm. And they found that their their eyebrows were falling out, their mm-hmm. hair was falling out, because they are putting mercury on. And so um, they took that way of doing that and then transitioned it over into furniture to be able to make the furniture look bleached and white or ceruzed. So we take, without mercury... <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> we're using calcium carbonate, which is chalk. And we blend it with the wax in such a way that you get this beautiful uh, patina over a color that's white, and then you allow it to come to tack and you buff it. But you know, a lot of people don't realize you can take our other wax, mind your own beeswax, squeeze a little bit out, and and take any color of the one step and Mm. mix it with the wax so you can have a colored wax over any piece. I love painting pieces in Bauhaus Buff, which is a gorgeous cream color and then taking my mind your own beeswax and mixing it with a French blue one oh, step. Mm-hmm. And um, I usually will do two to three parts wax with one part paint. So that way you're just mixing a tablespoon and then that way go over the whole piece and it's just yummy. Now, uh, when you do that with the wax mixed with the paint is, does that need to be on a piece that's unfinished or can you put that on anything? You can put it on top of something that you just painted with the one step. Oh, wow. That sounds wonderful. Oh, that just sounds gorgeous. And I, I the ceruzing, I think, is such a beautiful look. It right? is. I it love really that is. Look. And I also wanted to just kind of go back to what you were saying about don't put the dark wax on first, because I've done that. And that, I have to agree with you, is really a horrible mistake, because then it's it goes on too heavy and you uh-huh. can't get it off. Mm-mm. And here's the good thing, Anita. You can take the clean slate. If you put too much dark wax on, mm-hmm. just take the clean slate and wipe off, and it will take it off. That way you can start over. 
That's why it's called Clean Slate. And, you know, some of your other products that I don't know people, that people are that familiar with that I adore are your uh, gold leafing and the silver. Do you still uh, carry those? We do. We have, um, we have our size. We have uh, gold leaf, copper leaf, silver leaf. You know, the process that I'm wanting to take people on a journey, I want to bring them in as a beginner. And I want to take them up the ladder as far as their when they're exposed and they, they're educated and to take the time, and that's why I do that so much with Finish Fridays on Facebook um, and on our YouTube channel. I want to educate people why and then take their level of connoisseurship up to where it's like they, they won't be as nervous. It's like I'm going to add some gold leaf striping to this. And then after they've been comfortable with you know the one step or maybe gilding or maybe making custom waxes, Maybe they want to graduate then and go into our Toscana milk paint finishes because truly, um, and I know you love milk paint as well. I I do. I am uh, obsessed with creating milk paint finishes, different colors, and using them on top of the one-step paint. Well, and I think it's such a subtle paint. It really Mm -hmm. looks so... um... I, I don't know what the word is, but I mean, it definitely looks, uh, you can really have an, a very subtle, elegant, antique look with the, the milk mm-hmm. paints, uh, mm-hmm. and especially with all these finishes. It it really is, it's really a high-end look. I, I just, I, I want people to be sure if they're not familiar with your paints to go look at them because this is not uh, the look that, that um, like I said, the, the, the average person. Yeah, it's not the look that was popular about five years ago that everyone's sick of, where everybody sand, put the paint on and sanded it down. That's not what yes. we're talking about. No, no. And it, there is a refinement to it. Um, I actually have a course. It's called the Old World Finishing Course that, um, that are people that have been painting for a while. They want to be able to really learn. They want to be able to, to know the ins and outs and be able to look at building a furniture painting business. And so... Um, I am more about teaching them finishes Mm -hmm. through this old world finishing course. And then I mentor them. Um, But you can, um, you can go to the website um, with Amy Howard home and it has a portal on there that you can go to and it will share that information with you. Yes. And you really do a great job of teaching people. I've been to one of your classes and it was amazing. And um, if you ever get a chance to go, um, learn from Amy yourself. It's an, it's an amazing experience. And you taught us so many different finishes. And I remember even putting the wax on the fabric and, or I guess it was colored. We did. We did. We created what we actually did. um, And a lot of people don't realize you can paint fabric with one step paint. It's important that you thin it about 15%. um, But we used a stencil and we thinned the paint and we put it on top of the stencil on the fabric to be able to create a, um, a pattern. And then you can come back and how we did with that pillow, we took uh, the wax and we blended it with gold mica powders. And, you know, mica is a whole new world in itself too. I mean, being able to kind of manipulate and play and um, take those gold flecks uh, that's, that can make anything metallic and mix that with wax or glazing liquid or whatever. Um, but you know, as a rule, if you use wax on fabric, um, it's not going to be washed again. It will make it resilient. So you could pour a glass of red wine on it and it's going to, um, just 
fall off and you it's very easy to keep clean whether it's a pillow or a seat of a chair or uh, an outdoor piece of furniture and if you like fortuny fabric i mean this is what that that's what the fabric mm-hmm. looked like when we were it done. did it did it was beautiful yeah for, for you need to come back we need, I would love we to. need to have you come back. Well, and and Amy, your house was so amazing, but you've moved. Since I've moved. I've your house. I moved. We, um, you know, that's the thing with Jean and I. Um, I love decorating. That's why your, I think your podcast is so fabulous, and the fact that all the listeners here we love um, projects and redecorating projects. And we are in a beautiful home that was um, the first part of it um, the main house was built in the 30s and um, it's this rambling house over two plus acres the grounds and everything and so I just go in these little decorating modes and redo the rooms so I am um, I'm just like your listeners (laughs) so do you reuse the same furniture or do you kind of start over each time you move because I like you said you you seem to move a lot you always I do I do well, what happens a lot of times the houses, when we sell them, people want the furniture in them. Um, there are pieces that I will just say, this is not for sale because mm-hmm. they're, it, maybe they're pieces from the Amy Howard collection or it's an antique piece, you know, that we have, um, um, we've had for a very long time. The funny thing is we're the oldest, of course, we've ever been. This is the largest house we've ever lived in. And so we had to buy a lot of furniture to fit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we rescued a lot of furniture and painted it, restored it. So I was using a combination of the one-step paint, our lacquer paints, our milk paints, um, <laughs> to redo all this furniture. It was a blast. I mean, That's it was right. like, um, and we're now we're getting ready to redo some of the bedrooms upstairs. So it's like I have a reason to go to the estate sales. <laughs> well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I had forgotten about your lacquer paint as well, because that's a completely different totally. look. Totally. I mean, and that's what I try to tell people when you're trying to make a decision on what finish you like. Um, the more you understand the inner workings of finishes, and and I really invite people to go to my YouTube and just watch them um, and and learn the difference between liming and ceruzing, and and they'll go, "That's the finish I want." That they'll know, and then you figure out a way to do it. But if you have a piece that's more simple lines. Um, then maybe that's an opportunity for that piece to be lacquer. Our lacquer is not paint. It's not just a aerosol spray can of, of paint. It's actually a nitrocellulose lacquer. So mm-hmm. as furniture manufacturers, we had big rigs and we would spray lacquer cabinets and chairs and things that we made. The nitrocellulose lacquer, it's a three-part process. There's a primer, then your color, and then your top coat. So it's kind of like painting your nails. You want to use a good base coat first that primes it, gets the ridges out, that type thing, it evens it up, and then um, which is acts as a sanding sealer. Then you add your color. And, and the cool thing is it's totally different than with the one-step paint. If you're going to lacquer something, um, it's, you're going to have to sand in between coats mm. because it's a high, high sheen. So in between the coats, you've got 400 grit sandpaper. You're lightly sanding it to get it smooth, and you continue to apply long clean strokes spraying um that lacquer and i usually tell people apply five or six coats and then put your top coat on top of it and it will be a gorgeous gorgeous high high sheen um 
finish that has a lot of depth to it. Mm. What about, um, that sounds amazing. So what about somebody who wants to paint their wood floors? Because I know a lot of people are thinking about that. Do you have a recommendation for that? You know, um, (laughs) I feel like I've gone in a lot of different directions, but I I have to tell you, most floors are made out of oak because they're Mm -hmm. hardwood. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you're going to have some that are pine. It's a totally different look, but oak has a lot of tannins in it. Tannins are oils that are in the wood. And we have a product called Better With Age. And when it is not a stain. It is a reactive product. So when you have raw wood floors um, that are oak, you can put the Better With Age on it and it turns them to this beautiful gray. It is fabulous. So you can come back, you can do the ceruzzi wax on top of it, you can finish it with a sealer. Um, And I will tell you this, we are getting ready to introduce, the end of this month, um, a brand new floor paint. So we have a floor paint that has the right sheen to it, that you do not have to sand it, strip it, or prime it, that you can paint over any existing floor to be able to create a pattern, and it's going to come in 100 colors. Wow. You heard it here first. Wow, that's exciting. Uh And wow, okay. And that paint, can you use it on pine or oak? You can use it on anything. So if your floor is concrete, wood, pine, uh, anything, any linoleum, you'll be able to use it on any surface for your floor. what, What kind of prep would that need if it's, say, like an oak floor? Just, well, if it's oak, um, you want, you want to make sure that you get any residue, like the wax off of it. So you'd want okay. to clean it with clean slate. Okay. So what if it's got like a polyurethane coat on it? Does that Doesn't need to matter. come matter. No. Doesn't matter. You just, no. You just clean it and then you can roll it on. Because I have uh, some pine floors at our farm that have lots of collie love scratches all over them. Yeah. And um, not, not looking good. So I'm, I'm trying to think what I can do to fix it. So maybe that, maybe that would be the solution. Totally is a solution. And it has been, um, it's been something I've wanted to do in my entry hall for some time. And there's a lot of polyurethane, you know, on top of my stained Mm -hmm. floors. Mm -hmm. And I've wanted a pattern in there, a black and white striped pattern. And um, I told Gina, I was like, there is no floor paint. I don't want to work with an oil-based paint. I want a water-based paint. Right. Um, and it doesn't exist without having to prime and go through that. So we've been working on this for over a year and um, I'm really excited about it. It allows you to be able to use it on any surface. You can even use it outdoors. So. And when will it be available? Uh, the last week of this month. Oh, that's exciting. It is. Uh, wonderful. Well, that's exciting. And let's see. So, uh, so how would someone decide whether they want to do maybe the milk paint or or your one-step paint? The one-step paint is going to give you an opaque, smooth surface. It's going to cover it 100%. It's going to give you a glorious color. The milk paint, it's, um, it allows you to be able to create more of an old-world finish. If you want to antique it, pull it off. Okay. Um, milk paint is like painting with almost like a water-type consistency. It's one part water, one part powder. And a lot of people make the mistake of trying to mix it too thick and then they can't antique it. Um, But if you don't want to antique the milk paint, you don't have to. But you always, always, always have to seal it. You always have to seal the milk paint. 
because it can be reactivated and it will release with any type of water type product. So because it's casein based. So, um, you know, again, I'll just refer people to my YouTube channel because the one step paint allows you to go over pretty much any surface, whether it's tile or resin or glass or wood or melamine, anything. You just clean it and it will bond. The milk paint, on the other hand, it doesn't have uh, the bonding agents to it. It's like shopping in the produce aisle. It's like a food grade uh, product. So you will have to put the one-step paint on first, and then you can put the milk paint if you're putting it on an existing finish. If you're working with raw wood, by all means, you can put the milk paint on first. Um, Or you can add our milk paint binder, and then that way you can paint an existing finish. So it's a whole new world. I mean, we could get together, be here in my studio on a Saturday and have the best time. Um, and then that way I can go in and really um, explain the differences to you. That's why I just refer people. Go to the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. binge on it a little while, and you'll start to understand the difference. The videos are amazing. So you'll be able to see a lot of these techniques. And that's very helpful to have that because, you know, it's just it's one thing to read it, but it's another to see you. Are you doing this in person or in the video? Excited about some of these new products. I can't wait to check them out uh, in person. Uh, Is there anything else that uh, we missed that you'd like to say? Don't allow fear to keep you from being creative. Mm -hmm. Get something to test on. Find something, be a curbside shopper, find something on the side of the road, go to a restore, go to an estate sale because, or maybe a garage sale. And once you do that first piece, you're hooked. Get on the Amy Howard at Home before and after group on Facebook and and join that community and be a part of other people. Because I, I, I really encourage you, we, we talk about going green. We need to quit throwing away furniture mm-hmm. in um, all these landfills. We are still throwing away. 30 million tons of furniture in the U.S. every year. Mm. And we need to rescue, restore, and redecorate them and give them new life. I think you've got such an excellent point. And really, some of this vintage furniture is some of the best-made furniture around. Hands down. Absolutely. Yeah, so I am 100% in agreement with you. We really need to be looking at these pieces because a lot of these can be rescued and redone beautifully and you know i have some pieces that uh, i know people were just walking past at the thrift store and i painted them and suddenly they just look fantastic Mm -hmm. and so it really does make a big difference so i think that's um I think that's excellent advice, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today, Amy. I really appreciate it. Well, that was so wonderful to talk to Amy. Such a lovely person, and, you know, we love her products, so uh, it was really wonderful to to introduce our listeners to Amy. Yes, yes, and I I was recalling when uh, you and I met her together. I know you'd met her before, but we got to chat with her a bit at one of the Haven conferences, and that was super fun. So she is really a delightful woman in person and on the podcast, and we do love her products, uh, wonderful lines of products, so I hope everyone explores that. And we also love Solid Gold. Solid Gold Pet Foods are back as a sponsor of Decorating Tips and Tricks, and Solid Gold really values your dog or cat's nutrition. 
SolidGo's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high-quality food is the best way to impact your pet's mind, body, and spirit. And I love that Solid Gold takes into account not only your pet's little body, but also the mind and spirit. Solid Gold was the first holistic pet food company in America, started in 1974 by Sissy McGill. And my dogs love the bone broth, the um, green cow sensitive stomach Wet food, oh, they just absolutely gobble it up, and I know it's really good for them. Solid gold pet foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, balance with living probiotics, and fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids. That supports your pet's gut health and nourishes your pet from inside and out. And right now... For Decorating Tips and Tricks listeners, there is a special deal of the week. It changes every week, so it behooves you to check it out. Every week, you head to solidgoldpet.com slash DTT, and you'll see right up there the deal of the week, and they're really wonderful. So in addition to getting what other products you may want to get for your pet, you'll be able to take advantage of this great deal of the week. So again, it's solidgoldpet.com slash DTT to see the deal of the week. And our other sponsor, BetterHelp, is here for you and continues to be here for you throughout this really prolonged pandemic situation that we're all in. BetterHelp is online counseling that's effective, convenient, affordable, and can be had on your schedule in the comfort of your own home. If there's anything interfering with your happiness, if you're feeling a little stressed, a little anxiety, if you're having issues with anybody in your family or work issues, self-esteem, they cover absolutely every topic that you could imagine that might be impacting your mental health. So like the million people that are doing this so far, take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp Online Counseling. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's betterhelp.com slash D-T-T for 10% off your first month. So many people using BetterHelp that they are now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So head to betterhelp.com slash DTT and you'll get 10% off your first month. So let's talk about our hot topic, which I think is kind of sad. Well, I know we've had so many of these hot topics where it's about a store going out of business and sadly that is what today's hot topic is and the store this week is wisteria which is you know has been one of my favorite stores to buy from Um, just a little background on them they were founded in 2001 uh, by a dallas couple shannon and andrew newsom and they uh, have an interesting background andrew's mother is lisa newsom the founding editor-in-chief of veranda magazine which we love. Yeah, don't don't let Veranda leave too. Come on, Lisa. I know. Hang I on. <laughs> and Shannon is the daughter of the popular Houston designer and antique dealer Jane Moore. So uh, you know they are very well steeped in the uh, home decor you know business uh, and know a lot about it. And so anyway, and they've always had such a good eye for uh, finding products for their store they've had a lot of gustavian things which i really love and just kind of a little bit of a twist and it's also they've kind of had a a bohemian maybe kind of world look mixed in with the french like a global look yeah and i think they were doing that before mm -hmm. a lot of other people were doing that i i agree and they you know they i think they 
it kind of went a little more upscale over time. Um, but it's, you know, I was always able to find things pretty reasonably priced. And then they opened a store in Houston. Golly, when was that? Last fall, I want to say. And so now it's completely shutting down all their stores and the online business. And uh, the, you know, it, there's a big sale now, but I, I think things are going pretty fast. But if you're wanting, by the time this airs, they, everything, they may just be down to pillows. I don't know. But yeah, it's just very sad. And just to see all these, I'm, the thing about it too is this was a small business, meaning, you know, it was a couple. They started it from scratch and, you know, it wasn't some big conglomerate. Uh, and so it's just really sad to see some of these smaller companies, especially when they had such a great product and were so successful to see them go out of business. Yeah, I remember getting their catalogs probably 12 some odd years ago, something like that, maybe a little bit more. And they always had a nice little editorial, maybe because you know, you know they were familiar with how a magazine was set up. So I, you read about them and where they visited and maybe the people from whatever land they were getting the weaving done mm-hmm. or the carving or something like that. They would have a story about them. And then they, they talk about their little kids. And it was almost like, you know, you kind of went along with them as their family grew and as their business grew. So it, that is a sad one to lose. I hope they go on to something new, which I'm sure they will. That will be fabulous. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that we can all take part in down the line. So I wish them the best of luck. Yeah, and like I said, you know, nineteen years. So you know, they wow, that is. I, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. But well, I know, mm-hmm. you know we're going to lose things, but we're probably going to gain other things that we didn't even really know we needed. So we'll see. Um, okay, I'm trying not to be sad. Don't be about sad. It. I'm trying to cheer you up. <laughs> okay. 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 okay, 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 cheer you up with that. Okay, okay, cheer me up. I know you love those crunchy doodle things that I scared you. Um, intimating that perhaps oh, they were not gluten-free from Trader Joe's. The Trader Joe's baked cheese crunchies is what you're uh, referring that to. That is yes. what I'm referring to, yes. Um, I found uh-huh. something that is so delicious. Slightly different. A little bit different oh, yes. cheesy flavor and puffier. Mm-hmm. But it oh. is a, from a company called Lesser Evil. And they're paleo puffs. No cheese cheesiness. And they have maybe... So there's no actual cheese in them? There's no actual cheese because they're paleo. You know, I'm paleo now. Um, So kind of reminiscent of a pirate booty, if you've ever had a pirate booty. Oh, yes. I think we have some pirate booty right now in the cabinet. Okay. So so not... Pirate booty kind of is... um, It kind of disintegrates really fast in your mouth. This paleo puff is a little crunchier. Yes. Delicious. I mean... In a blind taste test, you would say there was definitely cheese in there. If you didn't read that bag, you would definitely claim wow. there was cheese. Okay. So yummy. Love them. So I'm exploring all so these paleo options. And, you know, when we first started doing it, it was like, okay, great. Brussels sprouts. Okay, great. Um, sweet potatoes. Oh, great. Some, <laughs> some grilled chicken. And then after all, you're like, I want a snack. I need a snack. I know. So Yeah. So um, actually, our, our other sponsor, Thrive Market, um, has, you know, and we'll talk about them another day, but they have a lot of paleo stuff where you can chop just paleo. And so I discovered them on there. And I'm addicted. And what are the what are they called? What are they called again? It's really easy to remember. Paleo puffs. Paleo puffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is that the only place to get them? No, I think you can, you can probably get them at other. Maybe I don't know. I never saw them in Whole Foods. But then again, sounds like a Whole I Foods wasn't item. Paleo, or a, yeah. And so I wasn't looking. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I would have gone mm-hmm. right for maybe the sp- pirate booty. 
Maybe Sprouts, someplace yes, like that yes, has yes. them. Yes, yes, So I highly recommend them, you know, because I did get paleo a few pills. paleo snacks that I was like, wah, wah. but these, yeah. I, even if I wasn't trying out this paleo diet, I would, I would eat these. Oh, well, good. Well, I'll tell you, there is something cheery that I am happy about that's my crush. Yeah. And I talked about my daughter's room at the group home that I've been fixing up. And, you know, because of the virus, I'm not actually allowed to go in the house. So uh, so I've had some things shipped there or I brought things and just dropped them off the door. And then I'll ask that the uh, house manager, would you take a picture Aww. of this? Or would you take a picture of this for me, please? Because I'm not allowed in. Uh, and it's, you know, nobody is uh, unless, you know, you work there. And so... It looks so cute in the room. This thing I'm getting ready to tell you about. It is a pink nightstand. So cute. Super cute. It's actually, I think, meant to be a child's dresser, but it's it's just kind of a, a small mm-hmm. size. So we're actually using it as a nightstand. But it's from IKEA. Golly, we can't wait to bust through so, those big blue doors again. <laughs> well, Evie and I did. Actually, we went and got this a couple of weeks ago. We were driving. Well, we were driving by to do something else, and they hadn't even announced they were open yet. And I saw cars in the parking lot, and I said, pull over, pull over. We've got to go in there. Yes. I mean, pandemic, no pandemic. If you need a pink nightstand, you need a pink nightstand. Well, I know. And it, it, you know, it doesn't look like wood. It's, it's kind of uh, very contemporary looking and uh, I don't know, it, but it's just fun looking. I just thought it looked very fun for her room and, and colorful. And that's what I was kind of going for. So I, and it's just kind of a, if I were doing a very kind of sophisticated room, I wouldn't do it, but just kind of for a fun, cozy room, I think it's perfect. Oh, yeah. So that sounds perfect for Lisa's room or maybe uh, any kid's room, you know, and probably any age, you know, maybe not boys unless they're pink lovers, but um, dorm rooms, maybe things like that. Well, and it was $139. So there nice you have Nice deal. Okay. Well, we'll link that but, up. But yeah, but she has pink bedding. And and pink and I'll tell you about some of the other stuff in the room too. But it, it just goes so well; it really looks really cute. Oh, I so. bet, I bet. And if it was meant to be a dresser, is it maybe a little bit bigger on the top than a nightstand would be? Well, right, right. It's it's kind of a large nightstand, mm-hmm. but so I don't know. Maybe it's about two mm-hmm. feet, two feet wide, which is you know a nice size for a yeah. nightstand. Oh, it might be even a little bit more than Are that. Are you going to do a blog post yeah. on? Well, I guess you're using someone else's photos, so maybe as not. So, right? Well, as soon as I can get in there and take some, uh, yeah, pictures, I will. Well, I don't have the things on the wall yet because I want to. I can't let them hang the stuff, or it's just kind of hung in a weird. Like the the maintenance guy decides right. where everything goes if I don't go do it right. myself, and his st- idea of what looks right and mine are totally different. Yeah. Well, he might, maybe he doesn't so, listen to the podcast yet because we do have some episodes <laughs> no, on that. I'm thinking you but like, listen, I'm going to give you some listening material <laughs> and maybe even some blog posts to read and then contact me and we'll talk about where you're going to hang the art. Yeah. So even, yeah. And I even found this cute little pink, um, uh, guitar for her to play. Oh. So I sent that too. So yeah, I'm sure they're really thanking me for that. But she likes morning, doing but, that, you know. right? Oh, she loves it. Oh, yeah. that's so fun. Oh, 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 it's going to be so pretty. Okay, so our listener question today is something that maybe a lot of people consider. Lindsay R., uh, Lindsay is doing her living room, and she's having drapes made. She did not specify the fabric, Um, but she's asking whether or not she should have them lined. 
She doesn't need the privacy. Uh, she may close them sometimes, but not, you know, maybe not on a regular basis. Um, but she's saying, you know, for the look, is it better to have them lined? And, you know, how do we feel about all that? Well, um, I would say uh, the answer depends because if this is a room that faces the front and all the other windows have white in them and this is going to, and this curtain's going to be seen, then I think you're going to want a white liner or something to match the other windows. But again, I don't know what color the curtains are. I don't know if there's some shade that's going to be in front of the window and the curtains are kind of behind that where you won't see you know, the liner from the mm-hmm. outside. So all of those really kind of factor in in my, in my book. But I think the bottom line is you don't really need a liner. And a lot of the curtains that you buy now, the linen ones, don't have liners. So I think it really is something that just kind of depends on how you want it to look from the, uh, from the outside. I think that has a lot to do with it. And like what she alluded to, how much privacy you need are you going to want to block out the light you do you need light blocking uh, what else is on the window is that going to block the light enough i mean really i think all these questions uh factor in but assuming all of those things are not an issue uh you know i would say it's not a problem to not have a liner and what did you think say i, I agree with you and i think you raised all the pertinent points and it's, a lot of people may not consider outside until it's too late you know, and maybe you went from with some really vibrant pattern and colorful pattern. And, you know, one side is your living room, and that's where they are. And the other side is your dining room or an office, and there's something different that doesn't look so great from the outside. So yeah, even if you don't think you need to line, and I know it costs more, particularly Lindsay's having these made, it's going to cost more if she has a liner Mm -hmm. put in there. But that to me, is really, really important. So excellent, excellent point, Anita. Uh, and as far as the inside, well, I, you know, as we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what the fabric is, um, if it is a linen, then, you know, that's a different kind of look. You really don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to line that because it's kind of the whole idea of the linen is, you know, you can, the, the, the sun comes through a little bit and it has this loose feel to it. So I don't, I wouldn't really stiffen the linen up necessarily with a liner but you know there's something else because uh i noticed that my sweet doggy molly kind of was rubbing up against my dining room curtains and i thought well i'm going to get those taken down and get them cleaned at the dry cleaners and they said um that they don't do curtains because the sun comes in and destroys the fabric and when they dry clean them they just fall apart so that's something to be thinking about is will the sun coming through destroy the fabric that she's using? So she may need a liner to protect the fabric that's showing from the the room side. And then what you were saying about, or what we were saying about what's being seen from the street, you know, one of my ballet blinds, actually the cord, I have the cordless kind, and the cord, which I know I'm saying they're cordless, but there is a cord, it just doesn't hang down. But it broke on one of them. And I'm having to get it replaced. And actually, they said, well, they can't even fix it. It has to be replaced. I'm like, okay. And then when I was talking about ordering it, a replacement, she said, we don't have that liner color anymore. (gasps) I Well, brace yourself because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight windows on the front of my house with that liner. Whoa, dude. What are you going to do? 
How could they not have I a don't liner? know. I mean, well, they do liners, but that's that was kind of a tan uh-huh. liner, and they don't have that one anymore. Apparently, they just use uh, a white and a cream. I think oh, you're so your yours options. was a little darker. So, it is. That's what she told me. Now, I'm going to go down to the store and, I guess, Lowe's or whatever and look at them to see what they've got, but... You know, the problem is not just what you see from the front, but I actually have a lighter liner. I have the same shades in the front of my house as in the back, but on the back, I have a light liner. And inside the house, when it's sunny outside, those shades look lighter than the ones in the front. So if I have one window, and the windows are right next Mm -hmm. to each other. It's basically the same window. So, I mean, it's just two parts of one window. So it's going to be very obvious if those liners don't match. So I'm, I kind of have to replace both of them. But then that window, then that room is not going to match the rest of the front of the house either. So I don't know. It's kind of, I, I really don't have, I don't really have oh, any this options. Is, <laughs> I'm not going to replace all of them. Well, tell you that. let me just tell you, maybe I should get on the phone with Bally for you. Because all the you, nice you things you always say about them, they should replace them all for you. Uh-huh. Because they decided to discontinue <laughs> your liner. But we can talk about that off yeah. off. Off podcast, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, huge can of worms, right? Lindsay did not know she opened this huge can of worms. Okay, I love what you (laughs) what you said because that is so true, and I don't think people think about that. And it just it came up recently with a client of mine. She has these. um, She has a set of French doors. And then windows, a window like double uh, sash window on either side of the bed. And she was like, I don't know, maybe we'll just do, we're going to do all the same fabric on Romans and then drapes, but maybe we'll just do privacy on one of them and just regular liner on the other. And I was talking to, we're using the shade store for them. And I was talking to them and she's like, we really can't do that because it's going to look, the fabric's going to look totally different. And inside, because right. and yeah, that's what because exactly what you're saying, mm-hmm. the amount of light that would mm-hmm. penetrate through just a liner as compared to mm-hmm. a, a blackout or a privacy liner is very different. So the inside, yes, it will even look different. So I just wanted to pull that little nugget out that you mentioned in case that got people were still reeling from the fact that they don't have your liner anymore. <laughs> And they didn't, they didn't <laughs> grok that, what you just said, because that is really well, important. So, I've got, so I thought, okay, well, the dining room's got two windows on the side and two in the front, so I could take those two on the side. So then I'd match all in the front. But then when you look at my dining room, all the four windows in the dining room wouldn't match then. Uh, just never going to end, is See? it? See, I just, there's no way to fix this. No. I know, I'm... I'm just trying not to. I'm trying to. I'm just try, telling myself. You know what? I have bigger. Problems I was saying. You know, the, the good and the bad of it is there's more going on in the world right now. <laughs> I know. I'm just like you know. I just can't really spend a lot. Of yeah. Just you know. You like. You like a lot of distress over this. Life. Just keep the blind open. It's fine. I yeah yeah I know. But anyway, that's that's what happens. And honestly, it didn't even occur to me. I know the fabrics go out of style but it never occurred to me that the liner would well, go out. Well, I think out. that's just silly. Or at least okay, they don't have the exact exact, but they replace it with something that's I mean nobody would be able to discern the difference. You know? It's not yeah, she said it's not, not even, even close. close. So I'll have to, I mean, that's why I need to go down to the store and see what the liner options are. Maybe there's something there that uh, that I'm missing. Whoa. So, okay, anyway. well. Lindsay has given us all a lot to think about with that question. Thank yes. you. Yes, thanks, thanks Lindsay. Lindsay. 
for reminding me of the the pain in my life. (laughs) Well, thanks for hanging out with us today. And remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time.